the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love and we're your hosts shelby and matt yes back for a normal week now of I episodes know. exciting stuff truly a delicious week honestly i feel like just enough small silly stories to keep us well fed okay well i'm excited to get into it yeah. first off i guess do we have any updates on the taylor swift breakup oh. that we should know about um, it seems more and more official. I think last time we talked, a couple stories came out that like tried to paint it, that painted it as like one story was um, Taylor was just- Swift decided to end it because she just didn't see a future with him and it wasn't like they weren't like jiving anymore. Another story was that they had been intending to take a break. But then Joe Alwyn is the one who leaked the original breakup news so that he could get out of getting back together with her. Nothing verified, though. Wait, I feel like the story that I read was like he was that like the fame of or yeah, that, like yeah. spending time with her was like too overwhelming because she's so famous. Ugh, I know, right? Yeah, I that did come out. I'm having trouble because on Swiftish, my other podcast, we obviously talked at length about this last week too. So I don't remember where we <laughs> where the yeah. news cycle I think ended for we us. We left off the like there were still truthers that were like, "What do you think oh, that okay, yeah. she's not broken up with?" And yeah. I think the o- I think like we'd only really maybe got one story yeah. about like the reasons why because I That's hadn't funny. heard any of this that there was a breakup and then he or that they were on break and Ugh, he- yeah. Basically, I think the general consensus is that original people story, which was like he they fell in love in a bubble, you know, because they had yes. their very private like reputation era and then followed by the pandemic where they were just in their own space and very minimal public exposure. And now Taylor's just like, you know, tripled, like doubled her Instagram followers. Like she's just reached a new level of fame. And supposedly it was just like too much for him for whatever reason. I mean, Probably I can see that. Because Swifties are cuckoo and yeah. were like DMing him and, and his family and like finding out where his brother was staying so that they could tell him how much they love Taylor. Like that's sort of weird. Yeah. Like stuff. I can I can only imagine how miserable it would be to be sort of in that at the center of that bubble. Yeah. Um, in a way that dating other celebrities is not quite at that level and after a certain point being like you know like I like you but I'm not sure I want to spend the rest of my life doing this (laughs) yeah and I think also like you know like we said six years isn't nothing and I think there's a lot of like oh my gosh she'll never be able to sing like lover without crying and I think it's like you know those songs were still true for her then and like who knows how she feels about them but it's like we're never true because She's a lesbian, <laughs> and they're, and she supposedly wrote them about men, but she doesn't have you're feelings right, for men. Right. Yeah, it's it's time for it's things to start hitting different. A lie. <laughs> yeah, she did like the you know classic breakup, like look at me, I'm doing fine. Waltz through New York, 
which was unexpected because Taylor Swift is very good at not being papped unless she wants to. Yeah, it was very much a like uh, call all the reporters and tell them where I am sort of vibe. Very much like if she had wanted to diffuse the rumors, she would have been seen with Joe or, you know, Joe would have posted something on his story with like her cat in the background or whatever. So it's very much like official. I think most every single Swifty has accepted that as a truth. And then all eyes were on her in Tampa, obviously, um, for her comeback and like thinking, would she change any of the set list? Would she acknowledge it? And it was really just like your usual, you know, what we've gotten on tour so far. She did, she has made more of a point to be like, these songs might be about my life, but I hope they're about our lives now, you know, like sort of <laughs> yeah, just calming any people who think she's going to have a breakdown performing um lover 500 times this summer um but no like nothing shady no no like jokey you know i think she's just trying to rise above it for now yeah just let the dust settle and continue raking in the millions each city so (laughs) uh yeah but but you are now in a feud with swifties (laughs) i know i hear well, because okay, I so she's always, in Tampa. Swifties are deranged, and if They're, you're not in a yeah. feud with them, I honestly feel I like that's you're in a bad place. It's you know? honestly been like hard because TikTok Swifties are like another breed, and the conspiracies and the like. Like I saw someone who was like, like just there's so much delusion about like the Easter eggs and the layers and the meaning, and they're like analyzing every frame and then making it connection to like a music video seven years ago. Exhausting. So I've been like on my last nerve with like Swifty discourse to the point of like not really getting on, you know, just ignoring it. But Taylor Swift was in Tampa, Florida, land of the fascists. And yes. while she was there, Ron DeSantis like signed in a egregious like abortion bill. And so there was a lot of like clamor for Taylor Swift to say something or do something. Um and I, it was something that I was like, yeah, that'd be great if she, you know, it's easy because like every city she goes to, she like donates money to some sort of fund. So she could have just as easily been like, oh, donating to the, the LGBT community here or like, oh, the uh, an abortion fund here. But she, she did like a food bank, whatever. And then, it, you know, she sings You Need to Calm Down on the set. She has little rainbow lights go on across the crowd. And it could have been as simple as being like, oh, I want Florida to like you know, sing this song louder than ever type thing. You know, something not even direct, yes. but just like something. So a lot of Swifties got, you know, annoyed and were like, in Miss Americana, she said she wanted to be more forward and like an ally and blah, blah, blah. And then there's just like this level. Because she said nothing about any of this. So no, she said nothing. I think at one point. What was the last with political Tennessee, thing that she said? I think she said something about. I think she said something way earlier about abortion rights or, like, women's autonomy. And I think she also spoke out about the Tennessee, like, um, attacks on the drag drag and LGBT issues. Not recently, but within the last year. Okay. So people are like – so Swifties are like, see, she's already done enough. But basically <laughs> – so people were mad. There's an inner fighting between Swifties, those who are calling her out, you know, to do more, and those who are like, you leave Taylor Swift alone. She's already done so much. Like, And there's this level of just like, I don't know what it is, where there's this weird like need to stand up for Taylor as if she's a victim, where it's like, 
you just don't know. Like I saw this tweet that was like, and this really was what set me off today was like, it would be so unsafe for her to say something. And she's thinking of her crew and her and her, uh, you know, her guests, her her fans coming to her tours, and she doesn't want to target on their back, so that's why she wouldn't say anything. It's probably killing her that she can't. A and I was of like, what variety? <laughs> like from crazy homophobes who would suddenly like zero in on Taylor and her concert and bomb it or something, you know? Like obviously, yeah, the gun violence it, threats, homophobia is scary. Fascists are scary. But that's why it's like more important that someone with Taylor Swift's platform calls it out for what it is. And also, if she was scared that badly, maybe she shouldn't go perform in states that are full of those people who would who would, you know, make her that nervous, you know? Right. Well, and also if she is afraid as a yes. you know millionaire uh, privileged white woman who has security and mm-hmm. you know all kinds of things the like black trans community yeah. these children um yeah. people who don't have access to abortion and so are getting like you know back alley abortions and taking all kinds of medications and having weird surgeries that aren't yeah. um you know healthy and that are dangerous and potentially life threatening like those people have it way worse than Taylor Swift. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, that's what I said to someone on Twitter, and they were like, <laughs> they were like, Taylor Swift can't fix everything, and I was like, there's just like this weird. It's it's an impossible. It it's not a productive argument, and you know, I just had to step back and be like, there's no reasoning with these people where they are right now. Like, and you know, you look at their profiles; they're young. They're not teenagers. They're like twenty one, twenty three, and probably so. It's like it's not like her demographic necessarily like skews super liberal. No, I really do think like they're like ah. Some of them were even like, as a trans person, it just wouldn't be safe for Taylor. I'm glad she didn't say anything. Like, it's like, there's a, you know, a level of standum that's really, you, you have this tunnel vision on wanting to support and protect your number one. But it's just like, what gets me isn't so much that they like think she did enough or whatever. Like, I don't care. Like, that's where I'm at with celebrities. It's like, they aren't going to save us because they don't care. Like, they're not, they don't have any skin in this game at this point. And if they do, then they're not like, <laughs> they don't care about you know, us, they don't, it's capitalism, darling, you know? And so I'm like, fine, feel like that, but don't like pretend you understand why she's doing it. Don't pretend it's like for this altruistic, like, oh my gosh, she's thinking of us by not, like, it's like, no, just, just accept that she's not speaking out, but don't like reason your way out of why she wouldn't be, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, what it comes down to is like, she, d- either like doesn't want to or she like she's not either she's like she's not really paying attention to what's going on to the level that she wants to speak out about it or she like has thoughts about it but is worried that she's going to alienate people or piss somebody off and so she's you know playing or you know keeping her cards close to her chest but I mean I'm sort of like it is a little skeezy to have made a entire documentary that's plot is basically that she is like standing up for things that yeah. she's not afraid to say what she thinks that people have been trying to keep her quiet but she's not going to be quiet anymore and then you know she has we need to calm down and then in this situation where it's way worse mm-hmm. and things are getting worse that she's sort of like not willing to put her money where her mouth is yeah. um 
especially because I think there's a very cynical way of reading it is like, you know, she did not that not that it's ever been safe to be, you know, a member of the LGBT community. Right. But I think when she came out with um, You Need to Calm Down and things a few years ago, it was much more, um, I don't know, like there wasn't. It was like the general main, sentiment. Like, yeah, there wasn't the same sort of like crazies. Yeah, because all of these legislation and yeah. things have been enacted in the last couple of years, I think, like, you know, very reactionarily yeah. um, because the Republicans are trying to figure out like how they can galvanize their base after they've done so poorly in some of these elections. So it's a last yeah. ditch effort. But it's like, yeah, if she was, you know, willing to make a music video with only LGBT people, <laughs> four years ago, like, shouldn't she also be willing to stand up for those people now? Um, Especially, you know, not the famous ones in her music video, but like the everyday ones Mm -hmm. who are in a lot of cases, minors and not able to defend themselves at all. Yeah. Um, Well, and it's like, sure. Like she does this sweet thing on, you need to calm down. And then throughout her show where there's a pair of male dancers who like dance with each other. Like there's always a gay couple or like a queer couple in these little like, um, what would we call them? Like, you know, performancey arrangement style thing. So it's like clearly, yeah, bare minimum, she recognizes <laughs> like she still wants to believe in love is love is love. But I just, yeah, I just rankle when someone's like, she cares so much. It's like, well. <laughs> you, could, you could very easily argue that she's doing that to – make more money you know what I yeah mean? it's easy it's, a, it's like yeah it's and, like Budweiser being like here Dylan Mulvaney here's a little here's a beer bottle for you but then the instant there's pushback they can just be like ah, oh, we didn't mean anything by it like oh you know it's just like it's so annoying this like subtle dance around like oh we just we want everyone to be happy and it's like yeah that's fine and dandy when it's something like I don't know what your favorite color is but it's like there's actual legislation and not and and fear-mongering and like hyper sensitivity to these issues that it's like you're not going to be able to fight fascism with like feel-good general statements that either side can take for proof of their you know belief system and it's just like if she's like boom one day on air suddenly she's on twitter being like jenny and georgia you made a sexist joke about me at my expense like then she can easily easily bare minimum be like here's $200,000 to the Trevor Project or whatever, and I'm going to make a statement. I'm not going to do it anonymously because even if people think I'm being performative, at least that performance is helping the right side. Well, and you have to be thinking like she she has these fans that are so rabid that will agree and do whatever she says. If she says something that will actually make an impact. Like if she told everybody like, Hey, I want all the Swifties to call your Senator and blah, blah, blah. It's like, they would do it. They would call the Senator a million times over. And like, is that necessarily like the best way to handle things? Like, I don't know, but she is one of the few people in the world who like does have that level of power and have, thousands of people who will do things that she says you know what i mean yeah. like if matthew mcconaughey tweets like call your senator it's like <laughs> who's doing that like not yeah. that many people um but she yeah. has people who will and yeah so i'm pretty <laughs> i have lots of thoughts on Taylor. i could probably write a whole essay on 
celebrities and influencers and what we need and expect and like blah 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 blah. Well, so I was gonna I was I was thinking about this this week. I don't know if you saw this news story when it happened or had heard anything about this documentary, but I went and saw this movie called Wild Love that's mm. a National Geographic documentary. It's made by the people who made Free Solo and The Rescue. Oh. And it's about this couple who she at one point was the CEO of Patagonia. He oh. started North Face and then sold that company and then made this company that I guess was really big in the 90s called Esprit and mm. then sold that as well. And so the two of them had tons of money and how they decided that they were going to use it was by buying like massive chunks of land in mm. Argentina slash Chile, mm. where at the time, especially in the like 90s, early 2000s, there was really sort of like no conservation movement at all down there. Like there weren't really national parks. They were just bulldozing trees and, you know, mining and sucking everything out of nature. And so these this like billionaire couple or millionaire, I guess I don't know how much money they had. They went down there and bought this land with the intent of turning it into national parks and giving it back to the country to mm. sort of run. And so they ended up like over the span of 20, 30 years buying like massive, massive, massive chunks of land. And then it took them forever to sort of like negotiate with the government to take them mm. over because obviously the government would then have to put funding aside for, you know, national parks, right. things that they didn't have. And also a lot of people were very suspicious of them when they were buying this land because they were saying that they were going to give it back to the government for a park. But obviously like, you know, these two white Americans yeah. fly down <laughs> and buy this record. land and they're like, are you gonna like, like, are you trying to mine it? Like yeah. what exactly are you doing? And so they only recently finally were able to turn these over to the government and i think now they're running as national parks or they're they're planning on in the near future they're also um once they sort of had the land they spent a lot of money doing what's called rewilding which mm. is where you sort of like reintroduce species that yeah. used to live in the land that had been removed either by like poaching or deforestation or those kinds of things um and that they had spent you know like most of their uh, lot like later lives and all of this money doing it and it turns out that the this couple was good friends with the man who owns Patagonia mm. um because she was obviously worked there and that they had sort of come up together and so they're a big reason why Patagonia announced um i think earlier this year that yeah. they were that the CEO was basically like donating the entire company to nature quote yeah. unquote like to save the planet so basically all like revenue and everything from the company is going to be funneled into these um nature organizations rather than uh you know just going to their wealth and Beautiful. you know it's sort of hard in a documentary that's an hour and a half long to sort of process through all of the different <laughs> like repercussions of these things and like yeah was like is this sort of performative at a certain level? Is this one of those things, you know, where it's like people who think they're doing good, but are actually doing negative in the long run. But I was really struck by like how much time and effort and money they actually put into something. And also like the, um, 
sort of the resources that the people at this echelon have because i think pa- they said patagonia was worth three billion dollars yeah. so that's you know sort of the amount that's going to this um and i was like yeah you know you have all of these celebrities who have all this money and obviously they're donating a lot of it but it was interesting to watch people who you felt like obviously are not making sacrifices to the level that like normal people have to make sacrifices right but are making sacrifices in a rich person capacity (laughs) that are much greater than you normally see and kind of hoping like, uh, you know, I I think this is a pretty small documentary. I don't know how far it's going to go, but to think like maybe this sort of strikes some other people who are at that level to kind of like put more energy into saving the planet into, you know, the different, uh, charitable donations yeah. <laughs> that they that they should be putting more effort into. Um, yeah, well, it's so, like Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher making this big statement about we're never going to give our kids any money. We don't want to be spoiled, and it's like no one's no one's asking you to do this. But like, if you really are concerned about your child, like upbringing, like why not use your money now and don't like I mean, spend your money now in in well meaning ways. So you don't teach a kid how to survive on like 200 million a year or whatever. Like, you know, it's like just freaking do good with your money instead of hoarding it until your death and then giving it to anyone but your child. You know, it's just like right. weird yeah. the way they <laughs> they try to get brownie points for like, like I think Bill Gates did a similar thing where he's like, I'm not giving my kids any money, but then he buys them like a $27 million mansion for graduating college or whatever. And it's like, don't kid yourselves your kids have an a step ahead on everyone no matter what no matter what happens when you die but if you really want to teach them something like just don't be don't be this rich like just yeah (laughs) work hard to not be this rich and i think the world would be better yeah yeah and it's like okay taylor yeah (laughs) like first up honestly like i read this article that was like oh she brought like three hundred thousand to tampa that's like just from like eating out and like people shopping there and being there for the concert. That wasn't even like hotels. And it's like if she had decided, hey, if she had made a statement that was like, I'm not going to perform in Florida, then Ron DeSantis would have to answer for like, oh, why is there this huge like they're not getting this boon from Taylor Swift coming to their city because, oh, yeah, they're all fascist like homophobic pigs currently Ron DeSantis is in a war with Disney. Uh, I know. Which, so add know. Taylor to the mix, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, 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 um, what other stories did we have this week? Well, you said you had a bunch of interesting ones. I have a couple. Oh, okay. Okay, perfect. Um, Okay, so I don't know if you saw this, but Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello were making out at Coachella yesterday. Yes, a lot was going on at Coachella, I will say. There's (laughs) been a number of stories because also Leonardo DiCaprio was spotted multiple times with Bradley Cooper's ex-wife. Oh, which is a departure because she's like 37. Yeah, uh, wow. Much more age appropriate for him. He's but really yeah, the um, I was investigating the Sean Mendez thing this morning for work. And I guess like a source came out and said like, oh, it was a one-time thing. You know, they're not back together. They just yeah, ran into messy. each other. And, you know, one thing happened, turned to another, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, obviously nothing is happening long term because Sean Mendez is like Taylor Swift, a homosexual. <laughs> like Sean Mendez is going to start dating Taylor very shortly. 
I mean, like the Sean Sh- Mendes is just it's so wild to me because like did you ha- the 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 TikTok sound where he's talking about how boys yeah. look good in crop tops. Like there's just like the <laughs> evidence that he's it's amassing against him is so much. And I'm like, <sighs> no matter how many times you convince your beard <clears throat> Camila Cabello to go on a slow coffee walk with you or make out with you, like it's not fooling anybody. <laughs> um yeah. I yeah, that's a that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean, lots of people stay closeted and don't even know it for a long time. Right. So. Yes, exactly. Who I knows? don't know if he knows it, but <laughs> we know it. Um, yeah, there's also news that Kylie Jenner is dating Timothy Chalamet. That's been like on the circuit for a while now, but like I don't know if it's official yet. It seems well, and, like the weirdest match to me. And then there's also, yeah, sources have been talking about it, but then there's also the Kendall Bad Bunny combination. Yes. Um, that's, I, I do think that the, the they have somehow selected like better candidates to date than the well, Kardashian-Jenner yeah, crews usually do. But they but both of those uh, relationships seem like very ill-suited yeah um, very it's odd like, it's like names just pulled out of a hat yeah like what do they talk about i can't picture timothy I mean, chalamet like i guess timothy chalamet dated lily rose depp yeah who also is sort of like a nepotism baby <laughs> like what are her talents you know so i yeah. i could kind of see that working yeah. um yeah the the Kendall Bad Bunny thing, I feel like, is equally, yeah, sort of, yeah, that's confusing. A, it's it's just like speaking of rich people, they're the worst. So, <laughs> um, I also think one of the big stories was obviously um, HBO Max and Discovery continuing their merger of uh, oh yes. of disastrous proportions. I forgot we haven't talked about this. Yeah, so they announced like this week that they'd be calling it Max going forward, um, dropping the HBO because, and I quote, they're dropping the, we're dropping HBO from the name to cement that we're not just a home for premium programming. (laughs) We're the home for anything you want to watch, which is literally like so funny because so many people are chasing that like luxury branding. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, we're not that stuffy, like, well, really good, talented premiere programming. We're, we also have, like, uh, sister wives and my feet it, are killing me, you know? It's <laughs> clearly an ego move because Discovery bought HBO and they're yeah. like, we don't, like, we don't want all of the credit to go to HBO. Yeah. So we are going to, like, drop that from the name and just come up with something new. Um, so weird. But, yeah, it's like, it doesn't. It doesn't really make sense. And it also does make you wonder what types of content will be coming out of that and if there will be a way to delineate it. Because yeah. um, like, I think that there will still be HBO shows, but then are they on the platform like next to Sister Wives, like yeah. all intermixed? Or are there is there ways to kind of like click mm. through? Yeah. I mean, if anything, it should be like Disney Plus having the National Geographic like menu, which then has all their weird shows, you know? So they yeah. should have like a you go to Discovery, but then you hit HBO and then you just have the uh, sigh of relief as you see. <laughs> as you see Harry Potter. <laughs> as you see Harry 
pretty funny. Yeah. So it's been a hot mess for for streaming sites. I it's like it's weird because like coming from, you know, I I work in Mark, I, I work tangentially with marketing. So we're, there's constant exposure to these like branding and executives talking about the importance of like, you know, brand recognition and stuff. So it's weird to watch someone just like torpedo their own historical branding. And I'm curious to see what that does. They're also upping the price, obviously, um, not for anyone currently on HBO Max, um, but I'm sure that'll come down the line. And so I think it's going to be like, um, fifteen ninety nine a month for the max ad free experience, <laughs> or for max ultimate ad free tier, it will be twenty dollars a month. Yeah, I couldn't figure out what the difference between I those don't know. two were. <laughs> but then also, I we I think they have an ad then advertised version too that's cheaper, and I'm like, we're somehow slowly circling I back know. around to cable, like. We've, we've just like, yeah, we've, we've gone around the block and we're back at the same. Well, speaking of, because Netflix, I know you don't watch, but Love is Blind had its finale and they, they decided Netflix started touting, like, we're going to do this live reunion show, you know, like, like Bravo does. We're going to do this live reunion show. Oh my gosh. Everyone tune in Sunday night. And so everyone did like everyone globally who watched Love is Blind tuned in it crashed within 30 seconds and then they were like they sent out a tweet like 10 minutes late that was like oh um it'll just be just be 5 more minutes like just give us a chance and then nothing for an hour there was no word from them and then they finally just like came on and they were like we're so sorry but um this isn't working so we're just going to record it and drop it as soon as possible tomorrow <laughs> the I had tea on this because I know one of the people I work with was there at the live recording and was like, we knew something was up because they just kept like, like we were (laughs) sitting there and they kept bringing like more food and more (laughs) snacks and stuff and more wine. And we were like, when is this starting? Like, isn't this supposed to be going? And it just kept going and going and going and going before the people actually came out. Yeah. Wild. (laughs) I also think Netflix is in trouble because They don't have that much good content. Their numbers are going down. And also, the they're uh, launching like a crackdown on password mm-hmm. sharing, which I think that they think in the short term will make a bunch of people who have Netflix but aren't paying for it pay for Netflix. But I think what it will actually do is make a bunch of people who have Netflix now and occasionally watch stuff realize, eh, I'd rather spend my money on something else and then yeah. not have Netflix altogether. So they'll be losing not only money and subscribers, but also like cultural cachet because people just aren't watching it. Yeah. Well, and I saw them announce that they're doing an American version of an American remake is how they phrase it of Squid Game, which it's like this was already such a global sensation that it's like most of your subscribers watched it even though it wasn't American. So it's like weird that that's what you're funneling your money to instead of like, you know, I, I, yeah. I just like the way they think is sometimes very bog- baffling. And so, yeah, it's I would not I very rarely turn on Netflix these days. And now yeah. you have the drama around beef, which is unfortunate. Wait, there's drama around beef? Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. What's so, the drama? One of the cast members, David, I don't remember. 
He was so he's like he plays this like side character, but it an old clip of his like podcast he had. He's like this was it called like a shock jock, you know, like he okay yes he had this whole like show and he says oh it was just a lot of like it was just like a lot of performative like bullshit like we were just like is he white making no he's Asian so okay. he tells this horrific story like the worst story I've ever heard a male you know, podcaster share where he admits to raping a woman. Like he, he admits to sexually assaulting a woman, like a masseuse that he forces to give him a blow job. And he's like, it's like, there's, there's, that's the only way I can get up now is if I, if there's a threat of me getting arrested for rape. Like he tells this whole story. It's horrific. It's so bad. That was back in 2014. So he had like this whole apology tour a year later when he was like, cause he's this famous artist too. And he had like an exhibit that was being protested. And he's like, I didn't really do that. I was just saying I did it for like the lulls or whatever. (laughs) I don't know what goes through men's brains. But there's like he did this whole like back and forth apology thing then, but has had that sort of haunting him. And then um, as the show did well this week, that came out again and was like, why do we keep platforming these people who like find even if he didn't do it? find violence against women so unremarkably like bland that they can just sit there and come up with the most horrific story you can imagine and think it's funny, you know? Yeah. So not a good look. And um, he's a big part of the show because like it's his artwork at the beginning of each um, episode. Um, He's like credited with some of the storyboarding, I think. And he's also a supporting character in most of the episodes. So. It's just like, yeah. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't watched Beef yet. I want to, though, because I love Steven Yeun. Um, hmm. I started. It's, the it's, uh, I feel like the, if we're going to talk about streaming things and people who are canceled, we probably should talk about the Harry Potter thing. Um, oh, yeah, because it was just a rumor last time we talked. Yes. They announced finally that... They are going that HBO will be remaking the Harry Potter book series as a TV series that will take 10 years to (laughs) uh, come out and that they will be very true to the books. Um, The press release and sort of um, uh, what's the the, like presentation that they put together at these upfronts that they were doing. I was thinking like, oh, maybe they'll sort of like shy away from J.K. Rowling or sort of like lean into the Harry Potter, but not her. But she's all over it. They talk about how great she is, how genius she is for creating this world. I mean, like, obviously they can't do it without her, but it is interesting how involved she appears to be in this project, given her status (laughs) at the moment. Yeah, And I sort of when I heard this had two thoughts one was like what is jk rowling up to so i went to her twitter (laughs) and truly it is like only tweets about trans people like there's nothing in there about um like at the time that i looked it up there wasn't anything about the series there wasn't anything about her books like anything at all it was it was just all political tweets that are were anti-trans and then I also remember that there was a video game that came out a mm-hmm. few months ago that was Harry Potter based. And I was like, I remember people not really liking it, but I didn't really follow up. And so I went back and it performed exceptionally well. And loads of people 
downloaded it, bought it. It got like fairly yeah. decent reviews. And so I was like, okay, there must like there is obviously a disconnect between the group of people who I am in and yeah. I think Twitter in general, because all of the reaction tweets were like, no, we don't want this terrible, gross. But then I went to Facebook and all of the responses there were like, yes, I can't wait. I love yeah. Harry Potter magic. <laughs> and so I do think there are sort of like two universes, one who like know this about JK Rowling and care. And another group who either is like oblivious or actually pro her sentiments and supporting yeah. them. Um, so I'm not sure that this series will be as crash and burn as I kind of hoped it would be, given right. what's happened with the Fantastic Beasts franchise. But I also think it is a bad idea and could go south in a number of different ways. And I'm sort of hoping that it, you know, like gets canceled after season two or whatever in a very <laughs> embarrassing fashion. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that'd be it. That'd be interesting because it is like weird to see them commit to such a long thing because I'm trying to think of like the longest running HBO show and it seems like it's like Game of Thrones. So in some ways, it's like nice that they have this limitation, right? Like they understand there's seven books and we're going to have to squeeze it into this time frame and like blah, blah, blah. It's like if you took JK Rowling out of it and like this was the first you know, adaptation of the books, this seems like the way to go. And I would be so stoked if I if I was coming at it fresh and, you know, but it's just like, it feels honestly, <laughs> it feels just like they couldn't get anything done with the IP as it was. They're like, oh my gosh, this is just like this albatross around our neck. We need to make money. We need to do something. Probably ask the entire original cast to come back for Cursed Child. They didn't want to do it. And so now they're like, well, well let's, uh, let's reboot and ruin another trio of kids' lives like for a decade. Why not? <laughs> Well, and I just thing, can't imagine, like, taking your kid out to audition for this. Well, the other thing that I think is fascinating is, like, Harry Potter, the movies, have a whole universe built upon them in the fonts, in the music, yeah. like in the, the way the castle, castle looks, yeah. in the costumes, in the wands, like all of these things. They're um, decided. That, like, like you can look at the Harry Potter merch like pre the movies and it's, and it's very different. It's a very different aesthetic. And then sort of once the movies came out, they really like honed in on that. And that's the theme parks and all of that kind of, and the stores around the world and the merch and everything is based on the movies. And so when they are rebranding and having this new series come out. It's like, I think that it would be coolest if they did a completely new version. Yeah. You know, like, like we're disregarding everything before. Like it's a new aesthetic, a new look, all of that, but they're not, it appears the fonts are the same. The music was the mm -hmm. same in the trailer or in the, like, the little clip they showed, like the castles in the background, it looks the same. And I was also like, well, they really can't change anything because then yeah. what are you going to do? They have this theme park in Florida that's built like <laughs> Hogwarts. Like, are they going yeah. to build a second castle that looks different? <laughs> are they going to keep this one that's connected to the movies, but then there's a TV show that's more, uh, that's newer, that, doesn't look like any of the stuff that they have. It's just a very complicated mess. But if they're not going to change anything, right. then it's like, oh, they're just going to make a slightly different, slightly longer version <laughs> of this events. 
And like, why are we like, why exactly would I turn tune in for that? And that's not that interesting, especially when I've already read the book. So it's like, I know the story. Plus, I was also thinking, you know, I think that there's a lot of actors who are not going to want to get near this project. Um, Mm. I mean, I'm sure that there are plenty who don't care, but it's like, you know, the fact that J.K. or that um, Rupert Grint and, you know, Daniel Radcliffe and whoever didn't want to come back for Cursed Child when you know that they must have been offered, you know, millions of dollars is interesting and i think part of the reason why the movies are so great is because they were able to get like every british character actor that you could possibly want to be in them in these pivotal roles and now one a lot of those actors have already been used in harry potter so they're not going to be used (laughs) again and two i think a lot of people aren't going to want to be in it like yeah you know especially for a 10-year commitment right that's true too like especially like like that's tough I mean, who knows how long the shoots will be, but it's like, imagine, like, it's like, yeah, the movies ended up being longer, but it's like, you sign up, you see how it goes. Most of them are in like bit roles or whatever, but. Yeah, but it's like, I can't imagine like Graham Norton or whatever, you know, like signing yeah. <laughs> up to be a part of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I then think if Helena they get Bonham a bunch Carter of unknown like people who JK. will take it for the payday, it's yeah. like, well, then it's not going to be fun. as good. You want the Maggie Smiths and yeah. Emma Thompsons and, you know, Richard Harris's of the world. Yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it does because it doesn't seem like it'll do well, right? Like it'll either be like sure, magical, like whatever. But like you said, kind of been there, done that. Like what are they adding to the discourse at this point? And with that being said, it feels like every season will bring up this same argument. Like it's just like – it's a long, <laughs> it's a long road ahead of well, us. Especially when I think you have things in the works like the Percy Jackson series or the Chronicles of Narnia series, which are franchises that people adore that have not gotten the full treatment yeah. that they need and that people are like very excited for. And it's almost like universal good feelings. I mean, I think about the series of unfortunate events series that <laughs> Netflix did and how excited I was for that because I loved those books and the movie, you know, they didn't, they weren't able to finish it. And so I think for something like that, it is really cool, but that, but those are all series where they, the, the movies like never finish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Honestly, give me a Hunger Games series. Like, I would rather. <laughs> well, the, I mean, the movie's coming out, you know, no, so. I, I, I meant to say about the Hunger Games books. Like, I'd rather see them remake those movies. As a I'd rather see Potter. them remake Twilight. <laughs> give us that. Oh, man. No. But, um, yeah, that's really, that's, uh, that's where we're at, you know? Uh, okay. Well, we've gone quite long should we do love it or hate it yeah I'll, I'll do i'll be quick i watched the you the hulu documentary pretty baby the brook shields um story oh yes it was good it's like two parts it's probably like close to three hours total um it feels really fast and i didn't know much about brook shields at all like very 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 little um but all it's i know like, is that she was in that movie where they were like naked on an island for yeah forever. blue lagoon it's really sad like it's about her being this like child model and this like sudden and swift sexualization of her from like being 
like honestly eight and up, but especially hitting the stride with like her first movie role, which was very overtly sexual, which was meant to be this sort of like discourse on on pedophilia and like child. I don't know. It's a lot. And it's honestly like shocking to see how bad it was, but also how little, how we just get in the same circles with these beautiful women starlets who rise. And it was giving vibes of like Jeanette McCurdy's, um, I'm glad my mom was dead, like, because she had this momager who wasn't as abusive as Jeanette McCurdy's mom by any means, but still like got, it's just like hard. And it's interesting watching Brooke Shields kind of discuss it because obviously you can't tell how, you can't tell a victim how they should process it. It seems like her choice was that she wants to feel empowered and like focused on what she was able to make from her life after going through these sort of things. So it's never like as searing in its um, kind of, she never comes across as like angry or heartbroken by what happened or what happened around her. And that can be really weird as a viewer to be like, holy crap, this is like very upsetting, like the level of sexualization and eventual assault she went through. And it's just like, so it's kind of a weird tone, but there's so much happening in it that makes it like pretty engaging that um, I thought it was well worth the watch. I, um, yeah, I'm intrigued by it. I feel like solely because I watched the Pamela Anderson documentary. Oh yeah. I didn't watch that one. And that I thought was really, really well done and very, very interesting and made me sort of love Pamela Anderson. And I do think that, you know, like not all of these documentaries work and not all of them have somebody who's really compelling at the center or has an interesting story. Like, you know, I watched the Shania Twain documentary for work at one point and it was sort of like, like like some of these, it's kind of like half baked, you know? Yeah. Um, But like the Sheryl Crow one, I also really liked. And yeah, I think that these are interesting to, to look back, especially women in like the eighties and nineties and sort of what they had to endure and how, like the good things they got out of it and the bad things that came with it and sort of how they're processing all of that now as adults is fascinating. Yeah. Um, I was just going to talk about the Super Mario Brothers <laughs> movie that came out. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Last weekend? Um, two weekends ago? I can't remember. And two weeks. Yeah, it was it was um I saw it and uh, I'm a big Mario fan, or at least I was. Like, I don't have a Switch now, but I played lots of Mario growing up. Love Mario Party, Mario Kart, like Super Mario 64. Um, And I thought that the movie did a really fun job of combining all of the different pieces of Mario and having tons of Easter eggs. You know, it was sort of like a Taylor Swift music video. (laughs) You could watch it a million times and be picking out different things from the background. It also sort of reminded me of like Ready Player One in that regard, Mm. just with Mario instead of like 80s movies. But I thought the plot was sort of not quite there and it was a movie basically for either six-year-olds or super fans and (laughs) yeah it's it it was short and sweet and if you're a super mario fan you probably already watched it and if you're not a super mario fan you probably don't need to so (laughs) well i I asked our listeners uh what we should cover and i offered up mario but that's not what we're talking about thursday they they voted for renfield so they love nicholas cage we love the nicholas cage moment 
excited to talk about it on Thursday. <laughs> yes, Aquafina, Nicholas Holt, sort of an odd little movie, but yeah, in, in, in excited to get into it. Um, well, Shelby, if you haven't been uh, murdered by <laughs> the Swifties so that are roving about, um, we'll I'll talk to you again on Thursday. And thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Bye.